Super Talk Mississippi media production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Happy Wednesday afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. We're glad you're with us around the state today, wherever you're listening on a Super Talk affiliate or online, of course. And you can hear us online each and every day. We appreciate your tuning in. We're going to be talking to Frank Ford here in just a few minutes. He hosts the Coaches Show. For Florida Atlantic University, of course, the new coach there is Willie Taggart. Florida Atlantic, the opponent this weekend for the Golden Eagles, so we're going to get there in just a moment. Kelly Sander will be joining us uh, later in the program as well to catch us up on any sporting news uh, here in Mississippi. I think there are some more high school cancellations due to COVID. I'm sure Kelly will be on top of that. Opening segment of the show today, sponsored by Dickey's Barbecue Pit, proud supporters of Southern Miss and, of course, the Eagle Hour. Wherever you live, you're subject to find the Dickies in your neighborhood, and the food is always delicious. Right here in Hattiesburg, they're open seven days a week. You can enjoy food in their dining room again. You can enjoy it through the drive-thru, or they'll even deliver it to your house. However you choose barbecue, be sure, be sure you choose Dickies Barbecue. All right, our first guest today, we're happy to have him on the show. Frank Fort does the Coaches Show uh, down in Florida with new Florida Atlantic coach Willie Taggart. And Frank, uh, welcome to the Eagle Hour. Thank you, guys. Hey, uh, can you send some of that Dickie's barbecue this way? Because I'm, I'm really hungry right it's now. It's mighty good. There's no question. No question about that. All right, we're going to keep you a little while today if you've got a few minutes. Uh, lots of interesting yeah, no stuff problem. to talk to you about. Before we went on the air, you were explaining to us. Now, Florida Atlantic has only played one football game. I don't know that there's a school that's missed more. Four games have been missed off the FAU schedule and in and you were indicating in three of those cases it really had nothing to do with FAU. Tell us about this uh, unusual scenario. Yeah, I think Houston might have been the only other school to miss their first four. I'm not totally sure if they were the only one. I know for a fact they did. Uh, well, let's start this way. We were supposed to open the season at Minnesota. Of course, the Big Ten pushed it till spring, and now obviously they've reconsidered and will start the end of October, but we had that game wiped out because of the Big Ten. Game two was supposed to be our home opener with Stony Brook from New York, and they're an FCS school, so they had all every FCS school had moved their schedules to the spring. Week three, we were supposed to go to Georgia Southern, and we had some COVID issues. We had positive tests and didn't have enough uh, players, either through testing or, or contact tracing, to uh, field a competitive team. And week four, we were scheduled to play South Florida here in Boca. And that was Notre Dame's fault because Notre Dame played South Florida the week before we were scheduled to play them. And because Notre Dame had positive, USF did their contact tracing, and they didn't have enough players, they felt, to come down here and play safely. So the fourth one was actually Notre Dame's fault. So that's where we are. And we were able to play last week against Charlotte and uh, squeeze out a win. 
All of this with a new coach, Willie Taggart, of course, comes over from Florida State, uh, and, and you deal with him every week. He, he must be the most frustrated head football coach in the country. Well, if he's not, he's in the top five because, right. uh, you know, his, his saying right now is stay positive, test negative. <laughs> because, you know, there's, it, it's really out of everybody's control. This pandemic has affected millions of people, as you guys well know, and uh, it's affected every team in the country to, to some extent or another. And, and obviously, having, not having four games was not ideal, but, you know, that was the situation. They really had a two-month training camp. You know, they started on time in the beginning of August. Um, they had to pause a couple of days because we had some tests. Uh, then they were back on track and, and ready to play the opener, of course, uh, uh, which turned out to be the game three of the season because of the previous decisions that I mentioned. And then uh, they had some more issues. But it's it's been frustrating, but he says, you know what? That's the state of the world in 2020, and we, we're just trying to deal with it as best we can. Right. Uh, we have some pretty good news for you. It appears that Hurricane Delta – uh, is going to go to the west uh, of Mississippi and uh, land over somewhere in central Louisiana. So it it appears at this moment that it's unlikely it would adversely affect Saturday afternoon's game. But I do need I, I want to ask you again: when, when does your team test again for COVID, and is that still a possibility? Well, we test three times a week uh, for road, uh, when it's a road game. We test Tuesday, uh, every Sunday, and then Tuesday, Thursday. So before we get on the plane Friday, you know, we know the status. And that's really what happened with that game three at Georgia Southern. We were all set to uh, get on the buses, and uh, they actually had the TSA screening set up here at the stadium. And uh, the word came down about uh, an hour before we were supposed to do that, that uh, we had too many too many either tests or contact tracing that, that we couldn't didn't have enough players to really uh, play the game competitively or safely. Wow. Well, we hope that doesn't occur this week for either school. We hope we see some football Saturday afternoon, right, Luke? Oh, I'm I'm really excited about 3 p.m. I think it's gonna it's gonna be a good game. Frank, talk about uh, Willie Taggart and just kind of on the Southern Miss end, uh, we we had uh, a new offensive coordinator, a new defensive coordinator, and then a new interim head coach after week one. I know it's been kind of a difficult. Uh, year for everybody, but especially man, a new head coach comes in in December, and then he looks up, you know, a few months later. And it's, has it been kind of the way it's been here at Southern Miss? It was a, it was a little hard to implement things uh, for Coach Taggart uh, before the season. Welcome to the world of Zoom. <laughs> you know, no, we didn't have any spring practices at all. I know some schools, for example, University of Miami, about an hour down the road here. Uh, they actually got in four practices before they had to shut down. We didn't. We didn't get in anything, and uh, it's it's a new staff with uh, there were there are some holdover coaches, um, three of them as as a matter of fact, but everybody else was new, and so they were trying to get to know their team, and they, you know, they implemented their systems through uh, Zoom meetings as a lot of uh, schools had to do, obviously, but yeah, it's been tough. I mean, until last week, you know, Coach Taggart said, look. We think we know what we've got, but you never really know till you get out there and play somebody in a different uniform. So now at least they have an idea or starting to form an idea uh, of what they they would like their identity to be based on the on the personnel that they have. But it, it's been a long, drawn out process and a lot of stops and starts and a lot of frustration. But um, 
you know, at least we were able to get on the field last week. And, and you know, the other thing is, you know, FAU's won two of the last three conference championships, but this is a vastly different team. Willie inherited a team with a winning culture that Lane Kiffin was able to, to get done here before he left for Ole Miss. But I would argue that at the very least, we've lost seven of our most 10 productive players from last year. And maybe are actually best seven players. I mean, you guys well remember last year, you know, playing down here and Harrison Bryant, the Mackey award winner, the tight end caught three touchdown passes. Well, now he's with the Cleveland Browns. And, and I would say there are six other guys who were at least in our top 10 that are, are gone. So it's, it's a really different team, particularly on defense. Yeah, I know all about Harrison Bryant from that last year, but he's on my fantasy football team now. So oh, there I know you go. all about Harrison Bryant. There you Bryant. go. Uh, yeah, talk about last week, uh, this past week, you, you get on the field. Uh, Charlotte had a one-game uh, lead over you because they had been on the field once before. But it didn't seem like either team was really rusty. It was only three penalties uh, Florida for, for Charlotte and Florida Atlantic. seems like the Owls played really good defense. Yeah, the the, the uh, defensively, I think the the coaches and Jim Levitt, the defensive new defensive coordinator, I think he was pretty happy with how his guys played, particularly given the the inexperience. I mean, we lost. Uh, we're now playing a three a three down front as opposed to last year when we played a four down front. We had lost seven of our top eight defensive linemen last year from the two deep. Uh, there's only one guy back, and he had a three sack game last week. Although he's playing more of a hybrid. Uh, outside linebacker position. That's Leighton McCarthy, number 13. A lot of inexperience in the secondary. We lost our top three cornerbacks, including the guy who led the country in interceptions. He's now a grad transfer at Florida State. We lost our two linebackers who were arguably the two most productive linebackers uh, in school history in terms of creating and and forcing and getting turnovers. So there was a lot of new faces out there last week. I think they were happy with, with the holding Charlotte to 17 points. Offensively, you know, it looked pretty rusty in the first half. I looked looked up, and before the final play of the half, FAU had 66 yards in offense. And if you look it up, we had 66 yards on the first play against Charlotte last year. Hmm. So that'll that'll tell you where, where the offense was in the first half. Now, obviously, it got a lot better in the second half. They had three third quarter touchdowns, and even though they didn't score on their final possession, they drove it out from their two-yard line all the way down to about Charlotte's 20 where they failed on a fourth down, uh, but they ate up a, a good six minutes off the clock and left Charlotte with not a lot of time. So it was a lot better in the second half. No turnovers by FAU. Uh, no, you know They didn't give the ball away, and as you mentioned, the three penalties. So I think from an offensive standpoint, that was the most important thing. All right, Frank, can you hang on a few minutes? We've got a short three-minute sure. break. I'd like to continue our conversation with Frank Fort, Florida Atlantic University host of the Coaches Show with uh, new FAU head coach Willie Taggart. Quick reminder, the Farm Bureau High School scoreboard that uh, airs statewide, not on Friday, on Thursday night this week, Thursday night at 10 o'clock, so make plans uh, to tune in for that. We'll be back with uh, more conversation about Florida Atlantic and the upcoming game next. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. 
Welcome back to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty, Luke Johnson, the First Bank Studios in Laurel and Hattiesburg. Kelly joining the show here very shortly. This segment sponsored by Campus Bookmark, campusbookmark.net. That's where you go in Mississippi to get your Southern Miss swag and apparel. You can shop there six days a week on their store here on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Or if you're other part of the state, you want something new, just go to campusbookmark.net and uh, pick it out. They'll deliver it right to your front door. Frank Fort works for Florida Atlantic University. He hosts the uh, Willie Taggart Coaches Show in the fall and some other stuff, other television production uh, for the university. A couple questions I've got for you about the changes that have taken place there in the last year. You mentioned all the kids that uh, were not on the team this year that were last year. Is that an indication that uh, when Lane Kippen was there, he brought in a lot of JUCO players, or was it just the the evolution of, of kids moving through the classes and coincidentally uh, so many leaving when he left you know i think it's a it's a it's a bit of a misconception that lane brought in so many junior college guys if you if you go back and look at the rosters there really weren't that many uh, i think for some reason that's the perception around the country and it, it really wasn't the case um we did have you know a couple guys uh, go to the nfl we had you know one drafted and we had three more sign as free agents um, we had a couple of kids opt out of this season. So it's just basically, uh, you know, there were some other issues with two other guys. Uh, but, you know, basically I think it's just a natural evolution of college football. There really weren't that many junior college guys uh, that that Lane brought in to, to affect the turnover. I got you. Well, I'm sure you're aware Southern Miss has had its struggles this year, one in three, having lost every game at home and uh, obviously hoping to break that uh, this Saturday. But what do you think uh, Coach Tagger comes in here with, with what in mind? What does he feel like uh, Florida Atlantic has to do to come out of here with a win? Well, he talked today about absolutely getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, you have to affect the quarterback. Otherwise, Jack Abraham is going to be able to, you know, it's a young secondary for the Owls. There's not a lot of experience back there. So you don't want to give Abraham and some of those big play receivers an opportunity to just kind of sit there and take their sweet time and maybe have some of that barbecue you were talking about before and <laughs> do what they want down the field. So, uh, But he also mentioned you know, how, how Frank Gore has developed. And actually, Frank Gore was uh, committed to FAU for a long time before he uh, switched uh, to Southern Miss. Uh, in, in fairness, our running back room is pretty crowded. So I understand why the young man, whether it was his decision or, or the coaching staff's decision, I'm not sure. Uh, but I understand it because our running back room is probably the deepest position on our team. So, you know, he mentioned how Gore has really grown from what he's seen on tape from game one to game four. But I think uh, absolutely trying to get pressure on Jack Abraham is, is a big key for FAU. And I think FAU is going to try and run the football. As I said, that's the deepest position on our team. Now we do. He did the one thing Tagger did do is bring in a lot of transfer wide receivers, and some of those from Power Five programs like the TJ Chase from Clemson, BJ Alexander from Kentucky, Demarcus Adams from Florida State, and we really didn't see a lot of those guys last week. Chase had three catches. Uh, Adams didn't see much run. Alexander played somewhat, but he he didn't catch a ball. So I, I would think they would try to use those guys a little bit more. But again, the, the strength of the team right now is the running game. All right, Luke. 
You talk about the running game, Frank. Uh, last week against Charlotte, Nick Tronti, um, who is the starting quarterback this year, I mean, he rushed close to 100 yards. Was that scrambling or was that play design? Uh, not He was about 50% in his throws, but he, he led the Owls last week in rushing. Yeah, that mostly is play design. He's a very strong running quarterback. Last year, he uh, he actually ran the ball in, in a backup role, in a situational role, uh, to say backup really isn't he was the backup, but they did have a package of plays for him that they would use uh, pretty much for at least a series a game in relief of Chris Robinson, who was the starting quarterback last year. And in fact, last year at Western Kentucky, we were holding on to a one touchdown lead late in the game. And, you know, he went in there and marched him down the field and scored on a 22 yard design run uh, to salt that game away, which was a huge win. Uh, on the Owls' way to the Conference USA Championship last year. So he is a good runner, and uh, a lot of it is design runs. I, I don't recall off the top of my head exactly how many rushing attempts he had last week. I have it right in front of me, so let me take a quick look. Um, yeah, he had 10 rushes, and I would say probably two of those were might have been scrambles. I got you. A name you mentioned a little earlier, I was doing the pulling the stats uh, so far this year, Leighton McCarty, the outside linebacker. I mean, his stats against Charlotte last week, I mean, some guys hope to have this halfway through the season. Ten tackles, four tackles for loss, three sacks, and a forced fumble. He is by far probably the biggest playmaker on the Al defense. Yeah, there, at this point there's no question about that. He's a four-year starter. Uh, he, you know, he, he played defensive end his first two years. Last year, it was more of a hybrid defensive end linebacker position, um, in Glenn Spencer's defense. And of course, he, he moved on to South Florida, uh, to become their DC. And now with Jim Levitt here, it's, it's still a kind of a hybrid position, but it's more linebacker than defensive end, uh, in a three, four scheme. But uh, he definitely has the ability to rush the passer, and he had an outstanding game last week, his best of his career. He moved up into fourth place in FAU's all-time sack list with those three. So, uh, you know, he's a guy that can get after the quarterback, and if FAU's going to win, I don't know if he'll get three sacks, but he's definitely going to have to get Jack Abraham off his spot. Okay, Frank, before we let you go, just a few minutes left. Uh, we have gotten to know Coach Mack pretty well, your baseball coach on this show. He's been on the show two or three times, as I recall, and, and Luke and I have been able to hang out a little bit with your pitching coach, uh, David Kopp, at the last couple of uh, conference tournaments. Uh, fair to say, in, in your estimation, the two top 25 programs in Conference USA, baseball, Southern Miss, and Florida Atlantic? fifth football season so i've been through four baseball seasons I, I don't have a long even though i've been in this area a long time i don't have a long association with the school but in my time here yeah definitely i mean there, there's no question that southern miss and fau were the two teams that slug it out uh every year to try and get that conference championship whether it's regular season or the tournament and try and get into the the ncaa tournament and you, you guys certainly have sent your share of players onto the pros and FAU in the last uh, two years, uh, not including this last previous five-round draft, but in the two years previous to that, it was 11 players drafted total out of FAU. So uh, both schools certainly produce their share of professionals, and they're they're right there at the top of Conference USA. And Coach Mack, a real baseball guy, is he not? Oh, there, there's no. I can talk baseball with Mac for uh, hours on end. <laughs> there's no, there's no doubt about that. He loves talking baseball, whether it's college baseball or, 
you know, Major League Baseball, whatever. I, as I said, I used to work with the Marlins uh, on their broadcasts. So, uh, yeah, we, uh, we've, we've talked a lot over the, you know, and I knew him before I came to work here at the university. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, we've, we've talked a lot of baseball over the years. And like USM, uh, you, your baseball season was obviously interrupted uh, real early last year. Southern Miss appears to be a team really loaded with talent coming back. I'm going to assume that's going to be the same thing with the Owls. Well, yeah, the, the, you know, the question is, uh, you know, the seniors, do, do they come back? You know, we had a couple of seniors, and, and right now I don't really know the status of whether they decided to uh, return or move on. So uh, yeah. you know that's an interesting thing for all the college baseball teams because they didn't they didn't really lose that year of eligibility. Now you know coaches around the country if they have a lot of seniors and a big you know anticipating that they were going to be leaving in a normal year and they recruited a lot of guys that you know they're going to have number problems figuring that all out. Uh, but yeah, FAU is going to have uh, some talent back. I think the question uh, always it seems like with FAU is what kind of pitching are they going to get. Right. Uh, some years it's been better than others, and I, I think you could say that pretty much for for any college baseball team because if there's great arms out there, they're getting drafted and they're going and starting to play professional baseball. So you need you need guys every year on a pitching staff, guys you you know maybe didn't count on the year before to emerge and and take up innings or you know play key roles out of the bullpen. No question. Well, Frank, great conversation with you. We're, we're appreciative of you coming on the Eagle Hour. I'm sorry you have to live in such a terrible place as Boca Raton with all that cold <laughs> winter weather you guys suffer through down there. But uh, we enjoyed our conversation a great deal with you. We always enjoy a competition uh, with Florida Atlantic University, and we're looking forward to having you guys in Hattiesburg Saturday. And, uh, you know, hope the, the hurricane doesn't affect you guys. My heart goes out to the people if it is Louisiana, because they've already been through it. You know, right. one of our safeties coach, Lance Gidry, used to be the, the head coach at McNeese State, and uh, he's from that Lake Charles area, and he was he said he, he knew a lot of people that were just devastated with the last storm that went through there. Right. So, you know, my, my heart goes out to those people and my prayers to those folks if, if that's the direction it goes. No question. Well, thanks for your time, Frank. I very, appreciate it very much. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. All right. Frank Ford, everybody, from Florida Atlantic University, host of the Willie Taggart Coaches Show, uh, does a lot of TV and uh, video production and audio production for Florida Atlantic University. The Owls coming to Hattiesburg Saturday afternoon. Kickoff scheduled for 3 o'clock. It appears, keep your fingers crossed, it appears we're going to escape the weather for the most part. Uh, Time will tell. But Florida Atlantic Southern Miss scheduled for Saturday afternoon. Kelly Sanders on the Eagle Hour next. Back on a Tuesday, Luke Johnson, Bob Getty from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg and downtown Laurel. Happy to have you on the Eagle Hour third segment brought to you every day by 4th Street Bar and Grill. 
home of the eight ninety five daily lunch. Comes with a free drink. Southern Miss memorabilia, lots of stuff to do over at 4th Street Bar and Grill. Go see our good friends over there, and we appreciate their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. Bob, I should uh, just mention real quick, Frank Fort from FAU, probably the first Emmy Award winner ever been on the Eagle Hour. He had three regional sports yeah. Emmy Awards for his work in, in South Florida. Uh, but the, our, our, the, our next guest, who makes an appearance every single day, Kelly Sander, um, they you won probably deserve more Emmy Awards than possibly anyone in the country. There correct? we go. Well, just, just for keeping lawyers off of uh, off of stations' backs, so, you know, <laughs> if you can just do that nowadays, you're, you're, I'm, I'm proud to say that's my best accomplishment. I think. What you know? getting lawyers involved with stations—that would be your best accomplishment. Am I correct no, about no, that? Keep, keeping them uninvolved. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I know about your TV background, so. I know you got a few of them involved from time to time. Uh, which, just just in a in a minor in a minor sense, but man, <laughs> you guys, there's a lot of stuff breaking today. Um, you know, not only locally but but conference wide. I'm going to leave the conference uh, USA news for the very last thing to talk about. Well, can I can point, I introduce you before you do that? Yeah. And now with sports on your side, Kelly Center. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Kelly Sander with the Eagle Hour, keeping you up to date with down to earth local sports information. <laughs> <laughs> the Meridian Wildcats, 6A powerhouse in uh, football, they have shut their program down for two weeks because of an outbreak of COVID on the Meridian campus. That means that they will have to forfeit this coming Friday night's game against uh, another powerhouse, Oak Grove. So Oak Grove will remain uh, undefeated in 6A play. But again, Meridian shuts down the football program for at least two weeks because of COVID. Elsewhere in the NBA, Commissioner Adam Silver has said for the players to get their political statements out of their system for the rest of the season because next year it will be basketball only. Of course, many people believe that the reason the commissioner is taking this stance is because of the, the dismal uh, television ratings that NBA has had, including the NBA Finals. In fact, last week's broadcast of the Louisiana Tech-BYU college football game outpolled the NBA championship series by 200,000 viewers. That's priceless. That's priceless. <laughs> so La Tech and BYU, <laughs> the juggernauts that they both are on the college football oh. gridiron, outviewed the NBA championship series last week. From college football, the governor of Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis, who, of course, was criticized because he opened up the state of Florida a little bit too soon, uh, causing another outbreak of COVID, has also, as you hear Louie reacting to the news, that Governor DeSantis has now said that all of the NFL teams in Florida, the Jaguars, the Dolphins, and the Buccaneers, will all be allowed to have full football stadiums beginning immediately. And then two other two other things of note. Anis Shroff, a broadcaster with ESPN, showing he has a little bit of a comic sense, has suggested with not everybody playing college football at this point, he is recommending one of the postseason bowl games pit UTSA against South Dakota. That would mean, yes, it would be the roadrunner against the Coyotes. And he recommended that Acme be the corporate sponsor, yeah. of course. And then finally, Conference USA news, the basketball, this is from basketball now, Conference USA, looking at a two-by-one conference schedule. What that means is, is the road team 
any conference games would would go to a road destination, play a game on Thursday night, stay there Friday, and play the same team again on Saturday. So two games in three days at one location, they think that this will help help cut down on travel expenses, on food expenses, and also exposure to COVID where they can be tested when they're being stationary at one place at one time. So look for Conference USA and other basketball conferences to come out with these new two-by-one schedules coming up this season. The AAC has already, or the ACC rather, is contemplating such a move. They hope to make an announcement in the next uh, couple of days. But basketball, starting Thanksgiving weekend, they got the go-ahead to start on time. But with these provisions, so look for this potential two-by-one schedule. Uh, so what does that out. mean, Kelly? Let's say, uh, let's take uh, Southern Miss, Louisiana Tech. Normally, they play each other one game there, one game here. If it was uh, that Louisiana Tech came to Hattiesburg and played on Thursday and then again on Saturday, that would be the two games between the schools that year? That would be the two. That you're correct, Bob. And, then, and, of course, that would probably be done by some type of random draw. And in turn, if Southern Miss had to play at UTEP, um, for example, they would play, you know, the Eagles would be there for a Thursday and Saturday contest. And, you know, it would be the luck of the draw as to whether you had to play the good teams on the road or got them at home. But that is the idea, and you certainly can't you can't fault them for trying to do something to cut down on COVID and also cut down on expenses because there's nobody's making any money during COVID. In fact, a lot of schools are are bleeding green at this point. And how wise is this, guys, to allow sixty thousand people suddenly back in a football stadium in Florida? Well, that's why I mentioned before he was criticized. Um, by a lot of people for opening the state too soon, including the beaches. And then Florida had a huge swing of, of uh, COVID infections. Um, but again, like I said yesterday, Bob, just because the governor or whoever of your particular state says it's okay to do that, you have to use common sense. I mean, right. God gave us all a brain. You got to use it. And even though, you know, 60,000 people would be allowed, I still would not be going. Nor would I. What do you think, Luke? Is that safe? I think a lot of this started changing last week, late last week, when the survival rates of COVID came out from the CDC. Now, I'm not, I'm not making light of any of it. I'm not getting political here. Kelly, you've had it. I haven't. I had a close friend of mine. His father in Louisiana passed away from it. Uh, I know several people that uh, even, you know, my age that have uh, had difficulty, you know, breathing and energy and uh, coming back from it. But just objectively speaking, the CDC released survival rates last week, zero to 19, ages zero to 19, 99.997% survival rate, 20 to 49, 99.98 percentage, 50 to 69, 99.5%, 70 and over, 94.6%. And they started seeing, you know, a lot of these were based in uh, conditions people already had. And so I think that is going into a lot of the move forward, you know, with your life. Uh, the president this week, obviously, when he recovered, said don't let it dominate your life. Just objectively speaking, I think when the CDC released those things, that is why you see uh, some some decision makers, you know, being a little more loose. I, I would I would think just for the – sake of public perception it would be better to do what we've done in this state just increase the capacities maybe a quarter at a time first just having open up the floodgates and having a free-for-all i would agree with that and kelly i'll use this analogy it may be a poor one but that's sort of like saying 
Well, the vast majority of people uh, wearing seatbelts in car wrecks uh, don't get hurt, uh, so just quit wearing seatbelts. Don't worry about it. And again, and again that's a, you know you know the statistically you're not going to get caught. Or don't or get killed, I that. should say. Yes. Yeah, but but you have to use common sense. You've got to you know in your own mind. You know that's why I say God gave us a brain. For heaven's sakes, use it. And I think maybe part of the reason that Governor DeSantis and others are making those decisions too, which we really haven't talked about, the survival rate, sure. But, but now as each week, literally as each week goes by, we're getting closer to a vaccine, but the therapeutics involved, they're are now better. finding, yeah. yeah, they're finding out that this is, this is better to treat it. You know, you, you won't have it as long if we give you this, this, and this. So they're kind of learning as, as they go, you know, that even if you do get it, it might not be as severe because we can treat it better right. now even without a vaccine than we could in March. Kelly, what are they going to do with these high schools? I I don't get how you're going to figure things out. Take Meridian, for example. So Meridian has to forfeit two games because of COVID-19. And then it comes time for the playoffs, and Meridian, what do they they just get left out because they had to forfeit two games? Or Or is that treated differently than if you actually lost two games on the field? Now, from the way I understand it, Bob, a forfeit is a loss. It's, it's as if you played it on the field, and it's just you talk about stinking rotten luck. Right. You know, this is some, and, and it might be where three-quarters of the Meridian team tested negative. Right. You know, so, the, so unfortunately, you know, the rest of the team is going to have to <sighs> suffer because the guys that are infected, you it know, goes, tested positive. But it's just a weird year. It goes officially as a 12 to nothing defeat in the books. That, really? That's what a forfeit goes. And and when you think about it this way, though, yeah, it's going to affect uh, you know whether people get in the playoffs. It's going to affect whether somebody's a one seed or a three seed. But imagine, if you would, a team like West Jones that could possibly play for a state championship in a normal year. Think about them going into a South State championship and hitting quarantine again because they had one player test like they did two weeks ago. They had 27 affected by contact tracing. In the playoffs, your season's over. You, you, there's nothing they do. You, you forfeit, and you're done. That's a hard pill to swallow. Well, can the vaccine come soon enough? I think we all know what the answer to that is. All right, we're going to keep Kelly around. We're going to wrap up another edition of the Eagle Hour on the other side of this short break. So stay right where you are, please. In the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg in downtown Laurel, Eagle Hour continues. Luke Johnson, Bob Getty, Kelly Sander joining us on the phone. Fourth segment of the Eagle Hour brought to you by Toyota of Hattiesburg. If you're looking for a new ride, Toyota Hattiesburg can help you out. Go on their website, toyotahattiesburg.com. View all of their inventory and then go over to Highway 98 and go see them at Toyota of Hattiesburg. They can help you with your next vehicle 
purchase. Also, DBAT and D1 training there for you and your family. DBAT is a baseball and softball academy located in the old Gaddytown building on Highway 98 in Hattiesburg, right next door. D1 training, excellent facilities, a place for you to get in the best shape of your life. We appreciate DBAT and D1 and their sponsorship of the Eagle Hour. All right, guys, Hurricane Delta right now, the eye just north of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, Category 2. Uh, max winds right now at 100 miles an hour. Uh, Thursday morning it will be kind of in the western part of the Gulf of Mexico. We'll beef back up to a Cat 3, looking to make landfall somewhere maybe noon on Friday. That would, of course, be the, the main part of the storm. And right now, man, it is tracking right in between uh lake charles and lafayette kind of right in in that area where um laura came through just a few weeks ago and it's going to track northeast looking like right now this track has the eye going uh, west of jackson somewhere saturday night uh southeast mississippi out of the track whatsoever of course we'd have cloud fall you know cloud cover and, and some rain but but looking like this hurricane is tracking west and possibly cloudy skies for a 3 p.m. kickoff between Florida Atlantic and Southern Miss. And, and in that commercial break, you guys, I got a text from my neighbor who's, who's a very uh, well-known attorney here. We were talking about attorneys you know, earlier on, so he wanted me to give him a plug. So uh, my, my neighbor, Ronald Cheatham, who is, who is in, the, in the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, uh, Want you to keep him in mind. In fact, he's the most prolific divorce attorney in Hattiesburg. In fact, they, he's such a good divorce Ooh. attorney that that Kellogg's has named a breakfast cereal after him. It's called "You Get Nothing, Honey." <laughs> let me uh, let me pull your phone number up here, Kelly, so I can uh, give that out on the air to all the attorneys that might be listening. This yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do we cheat him and how? Is that what well, you just saying? <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. You must have, that sounds like an old Johnny Carson joke. You know? I, I think it is. In fact, I, can't even, I can't even talk. Where do you come? Okay, so the, the entire commercial break. You were working on The entire commercial break. We weren't, we, no, we were talking. We were in conversation. <laughs> he was, he was fully involved in something else. And yeah, I got, got then my he pulls that off. Me. Like, where? That's what Louie was barking about. He was bringing <laughs> Kelly some jokes to tell. Do we cheat him and how? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, and the breakfast cereal, you get nothing, honey. You're really oh, good. Oh, man. Kelly Santa, you're a sick dude. Is it, have I ever told you that before? I have had it. Yes, I have. Guilty as charged, yes. <laughs> However, you knew when I was feeling better from COVID when the jokes started back up again. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. when you're serious, I'm worried about you. Something's wrong. It's <laughs> yeah. kind of like when yeah. my dog do not eat. I know something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> or, or, or moves. On or the he couch. moves, yeah. If he moves yeah. around too much. Oh, no, he's having some sort of allergic reaction to something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But that weather forecast, uh, Luke, just give, that's really good news for the for the Eagles. Um, well, maybe. Because you don't. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe that's same, good news, Kelly. Well, it would it would be the same for both teams, obviously right. the weather. But you but you want it to be, you know, good enough to where it's not going to mess you up too bad. So both teams can, you know, play their best in the best uh, circumstances. Well, you know, one way to look at it when you're not having a good year, the only way to get to things improve is to play. I mean, that's the only way you get better is to play. So you want right. you want them to play every week between now and the end of the season and see how it turns out. Yeah, now we'll have to you know, have to keep an eye on the New England Patriots now with an outbreak that they've had. Uh, Cam Newton was the first one. Now a couple of other players tested positive yesterday. 
Uh, the Titans thought they were Gilmore out of the woods. Did. And I, you know, I'm sorry. Gilmore did, and what's yeah. scary about that is the Monday night game. He got like, and they were congr- they were talking after the game, but he was like face mask to face mask with Patrick Mahomes. Like, it, there's ESPN put out some stuff, and and uh, people were were hoping that Patrick Mahomes didn't get sick. But yeah, Gilmore tested positive, and he was having a you know just. You know, you hit face mask as teammate or as as uh, guys at the end, just congratulating you know each right. other. Good game, good game. But they talk for a minute. I mean, that that ain't good if you're no. a Chiefs fan. And I do want to say that real quickly to both of you guys. I was really disappointed in both of you yesterday off the air how you were chuckling and laughing about how the uh, Patriots got robbed by the officials Monday night. You should both be ashamed of yourselves. I will never. I, I was just. I was amazed. I, I was amazed that Bob Getty is going to pull out the cheese and wine on the Galactic Emperor of all people. He's going to whine because Belichick may have got a missed call. You're bringing that up now, injustice, Kelly. Well, it's the first time. It's the first time the Patriots haven't gotten a call. Admit it, Kelly. You said you had lived for this day. I have. I, I, I have. And, and and if they get the if they get the. The first draft pick one year, that would mean, obviously, that they were the worst team from the year before. That's the only thing that would make it be better, but, of course, that won't happen. I wouldn't, book on, that. I wouldn't book on that anytime yeah. soon, Kelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. <laughs> All right, that wraps up another edition of the Eagle Hour. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, everybody, thanks for listening in Southern Miss. To the top. To the top. Into the Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.